0: Welcome to Culture of Innovation. We interview exceptional leaders who embrace and demonstrate innovation. Hear their stories and listen as we explore turning ideas into tangible ways to create value and cultivate innovation as a way of life. Listen and be inspired as an innovative leader. Together, we shape culture and change the world. Culture of Innovation is brought to you by Ridge Innovative where we practice innovation with a purpose to help companies use technology and breakthrough strategies to achieve business outcomes. I'm your host, Nancy Ridge, and today I'm very pleased to introduce our guest, Adam Michalski. He's the co-founder and CEO of Partnered.io, the leading account-based partnership platform and host of a great podcast, The Partnered Podcast. With Partnered.io, you can easily automate and measure your partnerships to drive the most partner-sourced and influenced revenue, integrated directly with Slack and Salesforce for easy setup, simple partnership automation, and best-in-class attribution. I'll say that Partnered.io first caught my attention when I read a fascinating article written by our friend, Forrester analyst Jay McDane, about his picks for best channel software tech in 2020. In that article, Jay described how ecosystems are evolving as the new frontier of digital transformation, and IO really stood out to me. So I reached out to Adam, and here we are today. I'm excited, Adam, to share what I've learned about IO with the audience and learn some more.
1: Likewise, Nancy, and thank you so much for having me on. I mean, it's really been a pleasure getting to know you over these past couple of months. Um, I'm really a big fan of everything that you're doing with Ridge Innovative and the podcast. So it's a pleasure to be joining you today.
0: Yeah, it's great to join forces and it's pretty fun um, doing a podcast with someone who operates a great podcast that I enjoy. So good way to share. I always like to start with this question because it gives me a little bit of a clue into my guest. So, can you share with us one example of innovation that you've seen deliver some great business outcomes?
1: Yeah, I think and I think that's a great question. So, um, I think you did a really good job, you know, uh, kind of introducing me. But just a little bit of a background: I've been in pretty much like sales and mar- uh, sales and you know partnerships my entire career. Um, most recently, spending the last five years of my life at a company called Branch Metrics, based in the Bay Area. Um, and they have a quite large uh, ISV program or like tech integration program. Um, so I think at this point we have probably close to like you know three or four thousand different tech integrations because of the where wow. the technology sits in the in like the 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 stack, if you will. So it's a it's a linking platform, linking and attribution platform for mobile app companies like you know companies like N- Nike, Airbnb. Um, they use our infrastructure to link from all their different marketing channels, whether it be email, mobile web, their social pages, their pay. Page ads um so all those obviously require integrations um Mm And because of how large uh, that platform was, uh, I mean, we would basically start to see, or how large, how many partnerships that we had out there, we would kind of be able to go to market with a lot of those folks. Um, And the innovation that I will specifically reference is kind of just everything that we're seeing, you know, in the ecosystem right now, where automating a lot of the processes. And you can imagine, you know, with a a partner program that large, 4,000 ISVs, like there's no way in which you can actually manually do all of that work work so- you know, the standard process of going in account mapping with them and making sure that you understand who to sell into and then understanding, you know, like, okay, which partners actually drove value and which ones didn't, you know, maybe you can make that work at, you know, five, 10, maybe 50 partners, you know, um, Mm -hmm. manually, even then it's a headache, but, (laughs) um, but at least maybe it's doable when you're at three or 4,000, like it just, it's actually just not doable at all. Um, so the innovation, um, that I've been seeing is, you know, it's, it's not, just partner.io. I mean, there's other companies in the ecosystem who are, you know, like really doubling down on making all this automation. And as Jay McBain put it, you know, I think that that's only going to continue over the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, it's huge. And, you know, from a, a sales and distribution perspective, which is where my background is, it really provides, I think, this type of, of innovation you're you're mentioning gives some comfort, you know, to those on the business development side too, that you didn't get tired and give up before that one breakthrough deal happened. You know, the automation helps you get through it all. <laughs> Find the gold.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's what's I mean, like at the end of the day, you know, we're, you know, partnership professionals, we understand this, but like when you get partners involved, like it's all of the data shows, regardless of what type of organization you speak to, is that it's going to lead to, you know, more pipeline, faster deal cycles, you know, larger deals. Um, and it's just going to help you kind of, you know, like sell into business that that might have been difficult to sell into before or frankly, like business that you might have not not even known about before. Exactly. Um, and that's, that's where I think that, you know, like if you can automate that and you can do that in like a much more scalable fashion, um, then you're only going to be driving much better outcomes. And especially if you can measure that, then it, I mean, it arms the partnership team with data, you know, so that you can go back and say, Hey, yeah, like I, I can tell you, you know, like black and white that we actually drove like this amount of business. Um, and I think that as we go more and more that direction, the more that people start to really see I'm like, Oh, wow, <laughs> uh, partners really are driving all this. Business before it was kind of mm-hmm. hand wavy, but now I have like I have all this data. Uh, maybe we should invest a little bit more on that side of the business. You know,
0: yeah, is and it's important to be able to provide that that data because that's not an easy task.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> what you're describing.
0: <laughs> so I want to circle back for just a second though, and with the creation of ABP account account based partnership platform, software partnered IO your partnered. Uh, your podcast partneredpodcast.com easy to say that's now up to 28 episodes and your involvement in the group partner community you really could be considered a pioneer in the development of ecosystem automation which is often referred to as TCMA so tell us how did your personal journey kind of bring you here and and i hear the passion in your voice what lit your passion to put you on this particular path of innovation
1: yeah, it's, it's a great question. I don't know if I'd go as far as to call myself a pioneer, <laughs> um, but, but I appreciate the accolade. I think, I mean, so for me specifically, like I've always been drawn to starting stuff, like starting things and like solving problems, you know, um, I've done. Like, you know, quickly out of college, I started a venture back company called Dorm Chat, um, which was on the B2C side. Uh, and it was a fun experience where we scaled, you know, that messaging technology across like 60 different college campuses. Ultimately, it didn't wind up being like, you know, like the, the biggest type of exit that I was looking for, but it, it taught me a lot about like going out there and actually being able to solve problems for people um, mm-hmm. and intimately understand those problems. So, like, I mean, As I dove more into understanding just the – how much partnerships can really drive for a B two B sales organization, particularly on the SaaS side, um, and how a lot of the legacy you know technology wasn't necessarily solving for a lot of the pain points that I was seeing. You know, it struck me as a, an area for me to really like you know at least put my you know dip my foot in the uh, my foot in the water and like actually see okay maybe there are some opportunities for like automation. Maybe there are some opportunities here for like a software stack that necessarily hasn't really been like as you know fully thought out previously. Um, And the more and more that I kind of like peeled back the layers of the onion, it became very apparent that while there is a lot of really good technology out there, you know, for uh, PRMs or, you know, partner portals or learning management systems, or even, you know, like, you know, through channel marketing, like, um, There there really hasn't been much done on like the ecosystem automation. Um, And -hmm. I do think like Jay McBain does a really good job speaking about this. And we even had him on one of my uh, podcasts of the partner podcast, uh, episode 25. Um, it's just that SaaS is a, it's, it's a different beast, you know, than legacy, like B2B cloud. Um, and it brings with it a lot of different problems. And I think a lot of the technology that we've seen built in the channel, you know, is really more built on the, like the premise, you know, of B2B saw like legacy B2B cloud software, even sometimes like on-prem software. Um, so I think a lot of what you're seeing today, like partner.io included is solving for these more API-driven type partnerships or these more SaaS, you know, like SaaS nuanced pot- partnerships that are out there. Um, and I think that, I mean, we're just really in the first inning. Like, I think there's just a lot of things that, that come with that, that, like, tectonic plate shift, if you will. Um, so I think that it's actually going to be really, really exciting over the next couple of years um, to watch this space and see, like, the technology that will be built um, to help these organizations really drive as much impact as possible from their partnerships.
0: So much is going to be revealed through this process. It is exciting to be a part of it. And this kind of leads me directly to my next question, which is, you know, with your background and attribution spending five years at Branch Metrics, and as you mentioned, they are a leading mobile measurement attribution company. Given that, what do you think of the current state of partnership attribution? Where do you see it heading?
1: Yeah, it's a a great question. So I think attribution is incredibly nuanced, you know, and, and for different organizations, it can mean a lot of different things. But like at the end of the day, you know, if you really boil it down, it's essentially just giving... You know the proper credit to where it's due so a lot of what you know we've or i've kind of traditionally done in like marketing tech side was getting marketers credit for their different initiatives whether that be like a a webinar you know a blog post a, a paid advertisement or understanding you know like what's driving that user to a transaction for a marketer um i think that a lot of that is the the like what I still see being very, very basic on the partnership attribution side, you know, most organizations, um, when I say most, I mean, it's, you know, upwards of 80, 90% plus, um, are still leveraging just, you know, partner sourced and partner influence. And usually those are like manual fields that are inputted in their, um, in their Salesforce, which like, you know, if we're being honest, very often are not actually like filled out. Um, Yeah.
0: Most of the time, not, it's some sort of a lead form that nobody wants to fill out to begin with. With, and then no one wants to enter it into Salesforce.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then even then, it's like, okay, who's responsible? Is? is the partner manager responsible? Is the partner responsible? Is the AE responsible? Like, <laughs> um, there, a lot, I mean, it kind of just goes to say that there really hasn't been too much, you know, done in the partnership attribution space, at least from what I've seen historically. And it's a shame because like at the end of the day, when it comes down to, you know, really uh, understanding the impact, marketing is able to go in there and say, hey, look at Marketo, you know, we drove all this different revenue and everyone's like, oh, yeah, got, okay, you guys got hard data there. For sales, they can go, they can do the exact same thing. But for partnerships, because that data is not there, like partnership folks almost become secondhand citizens. Um, mm-hmm. Because while most folks are like, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, we think you're driving this. Like they don't really know. You know, they exactly. can't tell you definitively that they did it because there's no hard data there. Um So I think that, I mean, one of my personal goals, um, is to start building out, you know, like that actual like attribution methodology, um, and make it flexible enough such that every single partner interaction is actually accounted for um, and then you can determine what type of you know like attribution modeling you want to do on top of that whether it's you know first touch last touch multi-touch um, there's a whole world of attribution but it really starts with that foundational layer of data of really understanding every single partner touch point point. Um, and then once you have that like you can really actually give partnership professionals the seat at the table that they deserve because that data is you know is going to show um, how impactful a partners are being. And I think that once we have that, you know, you'll start to see more chief channel officers or chief partnership officers, you know, popping up left and right, because it's going to be a no brainer for people to invest more in that side of the business.
0: Partnerships finally grow up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: (laughs) It's more than, oh, that deal came from the dinner that you had on your last, you know, trade show tour, what have you you know, where CEOs really, I think many of them to this day, look at the, the partnership side of their business as the redheaded stepchild, you know, it's like, well, you know, today with, with these types of tools, with attribution, you know, we can be, we can become equal with the direct sales force. In fact, even perhaps pull ahead, which is kind of what uh, the analysts have been talking about, including Jay.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I think, I mean, it's part of the maturity curve if you really think about it. Like, you know, sales went through the same thing where I, Jay even mentioned it last time I spoke with him where like back in the day, sales was very much an art. You know, it was like, oh, you're either born a seller or you're, right. you know. Um, yep. And then the same thing happened on marketing, you know, uh, and now I think partnerships is kind of just, you know, going through the same maturity curve where, um, luckily I think that a lot of this stuff moves pretty quickly. So I think that where we are today is not necessarily going to be indicative of where the, like, you know, I think that we will be getting very analytical and that art that we're used to yeah. will become much more of a science over the next couple much of years. Much
0: more of a science. Yes. I love that. And that's where it really makes it intriguing for, those of us who love doing sales because we like to solve problems, but at the same time, we love tech, you know, and those two coming together is just really breakthrough. So I'd like to get your take on what account-based partnerships really are and what is the tooling, maybe getting a little more practical. It can help folks with these types of partnerships. Can you share?
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I'm, I'm personally on a crusade to, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of make this term more more widely held because I think that's one of the things that happens is that everyone kind of just has to rally behind like terminology first in order for people to really understand, you know, like what it is like or level the playing field, if you will. You know, everyone needs to understand what they're talking about before you can actually continue to further that conversation. I mean, and what I like about account based partnerships is that, you know, a lot of everyone understands at this point account based marketing, you know, um, rather than just doing Spray and pray marketing and just going out there and like, you know, machine gunning out content um, and just hoping that it, you know, will hit like certain clients. Like, you become much more tactful on, okay, hey, this is our target list of, you know, like 20, 30, 50 clients that we're going to go after. Um, and we're going to be very like methodical about how we actually go and target like those specific businesses. I'm, I'm going to send this like article to the CMO. I'm going to invite this person to, you know, a dinner. I'm going to like, you know, I'm going to have the blog post going out. We're going to do paid ads. It's very, very methodical. Um, Mm -hmm. And I do think, you know, with account-based partnerships, it's essentially the same kind of, you know, lens, except applying it more towards partnerships. So as a sales organization, you're going to have that, you know, that target list of companies that you want to go after. Um, And, you know, the same way that you would kind of think about using marketing to break into those accounts it's just applying that same lens towards partnerships. Mm -hmm. Like you can use your partners, you can use your partners and there's always going to be that, like that asymmetry between both of your organizations, you know, where some of your partners are probably already working with that client. Like, wouldn't it be cool if you could tap into them, you know, for an introduction, for a recommendation, for information um, to sell into it. And and guess what? When you do do that, like, you know, you're going to wind up, like you have a much higher probability of closing that business. In some instances we see as high as, you know, 50% higher. Uh, Mm -hmm. so account-based partnerships are essentially just that, you know, leveraging your partners to actually break into specific accounts on the go-to-market or sales side. Um, and I think that, you know, it's, it's when done right, um, particularly when you you sprinkle on a little bit of automation, um, it's incredibly impactful for an organization and can drive a lot of revenue.
0: And what a thoughtful way to do business too. I mean, it just strikes me, you know, for a moment, going back to the, the artful side of it, that- You know, really, it is a a very thoughtful and considerate approach because people's time, it's not being wasted.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself.
0: (laughs) Everyone's got a stake, and it makes sense. So, uh, you know, I I love reading these studies. There was one done by Accenture in the latter part of 2019 that found 46% of executives are actively seeking ecosystems and new business models. Yet these executives don't have the experience or the capabilities to design and execute these market-leading ecosystems. Do you see an acceleration in the drive for this change happening? How much do you think mindset plays into them executing measurable change? And I would say more specifically around account-based marketing and partnering.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, great, great question. Um, So I think, I mean, in order for folks to make that change and become like, you know, drive with the partner first mindset, which, which I am seeing more and more organizations make that switch. Um, it, it takes a couple of things, you know, one is kind of like the underlying data to make sure that like you understand, you know, why these partnerships are important in the first place, which we kind of already touched on. So I'm not going to belabor that point. Um, But then there's also, you know, the like, you know, it has to be some kind of top down influence at the organization, usually coming from like the C-level execs um, where they've made the decision or they've seen enough of the data that they're like, okay, this warrants a lot more investment. Um, And I do think, you know, to zoom back out real quick and like Jay did a really good job at explaining this, too, is you know because we are so you know because saas and a lot of these like and when you boil down saas all saas like i mean is is just recurring business models where you have to keep re-earning the business every single time you know every month or year or whatever your cadence is Um, that brings with it a lot of different nuance on the go-to-market side, in which case like you really need to leverage your partners in a different capacity than you might have historically where it was, Hey, I'm going to sell you this on-prem software and you guys keep it for 10 years and then we can revisit that contract, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So when you look at it through that lens, you know um, I mean the, the data at this point I think is already abundantly clear that ecosystems, you know, are already going to be the dominant players out there. Um, and people who invest heavily in those ecosystems will become the winners, you know, of tomorrow or next year or the following. Right. Um, so then the question just becomes, you know, should like, how do we start investing in our ecosystems? Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of fragmentation out there. So it makes that process a lot more complicated than I think it needs to be. Like even when you look at the Forrester wave, you know, um, it's, it's jarring. (laughs) There is, okay. There's all these different terms, there's these acronyms, there's understanding, you know, how, how all this stuff operates, what, like, what should I use for, you know, my through channel marketing versus what should I use for my co-selling versus what should I use for like a partner portal? And, you know, why can't all, and where do
0: um, I start? Oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And I constantly, when I'm having conversations with folks folks like you know i i sympathize with them because i mean we we were there previously at, at companies that i've been at historically and it's like okay well like this doesn't necessarily even solve my needs or if it does it's only this one thing so why am i going to pay this crazy price you know so I think that you know that journey still has a lot to go um, in terms of you know being able to understand all of that and 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 frankly, I mean, where right now, like the current status of the market, it's it's actually having conversations with folks like yourself or you know like consultants out there who really understand the ecosystem um, and can can really understand okay, here's your companies, here's the company's pain points, here's what they actually need, and be very prescriptive and like okay, here are like the one or two or maybe even three solutions um, that. You you're going to need to actually like best achieve, you know, or drive the most value and efficiency from your like your partner program. Um, yeah,
0: and I think sometimes too, we have we have to help that CEO find a quick
1: win. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and it's a tough because there's a push and a pull there, you know, because a lot of partnerships are a long-term game, you know, um, and you don't want to be too short-sighted, but then again, like, you know, especially when you're looking at it from a revenue perspective, like the faster that you can get like, um, partners to drive, you know, partner sourced or partner influenced revenue, um, then you'll start to get more and more buy-in because sales, salespeople aren't stupid, you know, they're going to follow, they're going to follow the money. Um, and if they start to see that, that partners are, you know, are becoming useful Well, guess what? They're going to start using partners more and more. So, like, I mean, to your point, like, I couldn't agree more. Like, if you can get that flywheel turning sooner, it's only going to behoove you um, as you continue to kind of expand that program.
0: And it is starting to happen. Uh, I just read a report from McKinsey. They released a very comprehensive study entitled Ecosystems 2.0, Climbing to the Next Level, where they discuss some of the pitfalls organizations have faced as, as they've already attempted to create value and generate revenue through ecosystems. So can you talk a little bit about perhaps some of those issues, maybe what you've seen and how in that 2.0 environment we can help solve them?
1: Yeah, yeah, It's a very good question. Um, and I think, I mean, so the number one thing that I see um, is the biggest issue out there is just people not tracking their partner influence to begin with, you know. And that goes back to you know what we were mentioning earlier in the conversation is: is if you're not tracking it, it's almost the same as basically saying that it didn't happen, you know, because you're you're never. I mean, when it comes to the end of the quarter, or the end of the year, and you're looking to uh, or your you know, your 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 C level is looking to audit your number, if you're not going to have those numbers, and then it basically means like, okay, guess what? Marketing or sales is probably to get credit for that. Um, So getting the tracking in place um, is very, very important. Um, and I mean, honestly, that could be as simple as just making sure like finding a process and sticking to it. Like, you know, there's, there's crawl, walk, run approach here. But if you're not doing that to begin with, like start with actually just getting a basic system in place and just start tracking it um, because you're going to need something that can be audited, you know, like when it comes at the end of the quarter or the end of the year. Um, But then I think that what you're going to see is, you know, increasingly tools like such as ours that will allow you to actually just automate these and just build it into your workflows um, so that as that partner manager is going, you know, like day to day and just facilitating all that business, everything is kind of just getting tracked on the back end. Um, And then, you know, all of that can actually just be, you know, reported on um, very easily, you know, whether it be within the tool or within Salesforce or, or wherever, you know, you kind of need that reporting. Um, But it actually just becomes embedded in the workflow, which just makes all that Mm -hmm. tracking much easier. So so tracking is definitely the big one.
0: Huge. It is huge. And being able to embed it uh, in, in an automated fashion, as we, as you discussed earlier, I think is so important. Uh, because I, we've all been there where you're sitting there at the end of the quarter or the end of the year and not getting credit for the hard work that's occurred through the partnership. And unfortunately, too, you know, there's a there's still an acceptance factor, I think, within organizations beyond just the C-level within the teams themselves where this recognition still needs to happen with partnerships and it doesn't have to be us against them, sales against partnerships or what have you. It can be a collective effort. Everyone can partner. That's the beauty of it.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. And especially as you get like, I mean, a lot of, you know, sales teams, this is probably warrant an entire podcast session in itself, but, um, like I'm seeing sales attribution, modeling more generally start to evolve where a lot of folks are saying, hey, this whole concept of like sourced and influence uh, isn't necessarily the best way to do sales attribution modeling because you're going to get things like channel conflict and you're going to say, you know, whenever that deal comes in, like, it's very likely that there were multiple touch points on that deal. So, you know, if you just use sourced as your primary metric, and it's kind of that first touch or last touch, like attribution modeling, then guess what, like you are now incentivizing channel conflict, because marketing is going to say, hey, I had this touch point, and partnerships are gonna say, I had this touch point. Um, right. sales, sales probably had a touch point somewhere along there. And then who's right, you know, like, the, the mm-hmm. reality is, it's much more complicated, and it's much more nuanced. And I'm seeing like more of the, the leaders in the industry like embrace more of a multi-touch model where, you know, you can account for all those different touch points, um, across the customer journey, um, which is going to give you a much better understanding, frankly, of like, what's the different cadence across, you know, like sales, marketing and, and partnerships. That's actually going to drive you to drive more, like it leads you to drive more business. Um, but it's also just going to, you know, eliminate a lot of those things like, like channel conflict and, you know, allow your team to be a little bit more harmonious, if you will.
0: Absolutely. And I think um, as that occurs, and you get that flywheel effect happening, there's really plenty of revenue. I mean, theoretically, we're increasing the revenue in this method and the quality of the business that's being brought in. So uh, so there shouldn't be an issue because that's always the concern. Oh, I don't want to have to pay uh, more than one person or, you know, that's, de- that's hitting my margins when we go through these multiple levels. And it's like, but if we're, if we're increasing revenue across the board, then, you know, the money is still there yeah. and exactly, <laughs> and the tracking tools will help us find it.
1: <laughs> well, ex- exactly. And if, and if, and I mean, more importantly is if you're, if you're not even tracking that, then guess what? Like, when it comes to uh, I mean unfortunately a lot of what we've seen this year is you know like the the markets get tight and then, um, you have to figure out, you know, a reduction in force or something along, like I've seen it happen time and time again, you know, because partnerships can't deliver that data, um, then they're, they're the first ones on the chopping block, you know? And it's like, Mm -hmm. it's so short sighted because if you actually had that data there, you'd be like, oh my God, like, you know, these are like the part of the organization that's driving the most amount of value for me. Um, but because there is no data there and a lot of this infrastructure isn't there, like, you know, it's, it's there, there's no story. Um, there's no story for why right. those those folks are important. So, I mean, yeah. like once you have that data infrastructure in place, people tend to st- start seeing, okay, wow, this ecosystem play is huge. It actually might be the future of our business. And then it's, okay, it's much easier to justify additional headcount, much easier to justify having a partnership person get a seat at the exact table, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to like, continue over harping on it, but I really do think it's one of the like the primary issues in the industry that needs to be solved.
0: I'm with you. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit. So I've really enjoyed tuning in to Partnered Podcast and listening to all the various leaders you've interviewed. There have been some really fantastic episodes. And I'm curious, if you look back over each of the episodes, is there a recurring pattern or a theme that you've noticed?
1: Yeah, so it's a that's a really good question, and I kind of think it hits home on the whole reason why like I wanted to start the podcast in the beginning is there's just so little when you think about it in like the grand scheme of things and how sales, customer success, marketing, you know, product, like all these other facets of the or- like a you know a go to market organization. Um, have you know so much content out there so many best practices you know structured ways of okay here's how you become you know uh, a vp of sales you go sdr ae you know manager um work your way up the ladder director um like none of this real stuff exists for partners. And I think it's a little bit harder, our partnerships, you know, professionals. um, And I think it's a little bit harder for partnerships professionals because there's so many different ways of partnering. You know, it could be an agency, it could be an ISV. Like, you know, there's so many different ways of actually like leveraging partners and, and for different benefits. And it really comes down to your organization. But nonetheless, like, I think that, you know, one of the things that is becoming increasingly clear to me is like, I think folks are really yearning for that type of, of structure and, and I'm starting to see that come together. Um, and maybe it's just because, you know, I'm interviewing one 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 person a week and I'm just starting to see that kind of, you know, similarity across each one of the, each one of the different folks that I speak with, but even like the lingo that folks are starting to use. And um, I'm starting to see that structure come together, which is extremely exciting because, and I think I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but like the more that, you know, that becomes more of a structured path and there's more of like best practices and all that information gets shared using great forums, such as this podcast, you know, um, I think the better off and the faster that people are going to be able to run in the partnership space. So like, that's the one that I'd say is the most interesting out of, out of, and then there's, there's others as well, but I really do think that it's like making, you know, partnerships a little bit more standardized or to the extent that you can, um, Mm -hmm. and then using that playbook, you know, or creating really more of that playbook that can be used across various organizations. Is, is extremely exciting for me. And I think like just the entire partnership space in general.
0: Wow. Sounds like an opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. And I'm like, you know, that high level view, like who's going to create the playbook?
1: <laughs> yeah. There, there's a lot of work to be done. So I think that there, there's going there to be a lot of seats I the table.
0: certification programs on the horizon. <laughs> <laughs> New ones. I love it. So, okay, here's my closing question that I always try to have a little fun with. Um, What innovation would you most like to see gain adoption? And it could be anything.
1: Oh, um, let's have fun with this one. Um, I'll, I'll go. And it doesn't have to be partnerships.
0: Nope. It could be anything.
1: All right. Because partnerships. I think you'd already, you, if it hasn't been abundantly clear that I think you know that attribution is the one, um, but, oh, yeah. but, uh, but I think space travel. Um, so I think that, I mean, we're starting to see a lot of cool stuff happening just in, in space travel with companies like SpaceX and all that. Um, and I mean, I don't know, maybe it's just cause I spent the past weekend, re, you know, watching some of these Netflix, you know, documentaries <laughs> on, on different planets, but, um, I mean, I think at this point, you know, it's not a question of if there is, you know, like extraterrestrial life. <laughs> um, I think it's right. it a matter of like how many different planets out there exist. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I think that, that that innovation is one that's going to propel, you know, humanity forward and maybe even make us like a, you know, a multiplanetary species. So, um, so well, yeah,
0: Branson's <laughs> been pushing for that one for a number of years now. He's had that dream as well that he's going to turn it into, you know, a business that. Anybody who wants to can go into space.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's the final frontier, right? So I think that, I mean, for anybody who likes innovation, like it's, there's just a lot of of questions out there. So
0: (laughs) all of us, all of us, uh, quote unquote geeks who love star Wars and uh, all the fantasy about space. I'm with (laughs) you. Let's go. (laughs)
1: Well,
0: Well, this has been awesome. I want to thank you again, uh, for being with us today, Adam. And I also want to remind our listeners, don't forget to subscribe at www.soundcloud.com, Culture of Innovation, to get updates on new episodes. And you'll also find us on iTunes. And please be sure to check us out at ridgeinnovative.com. So everyone, have a breakthrough day, and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you, Nancy.